Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Dugout, Premier League preview, Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to another round of The Dugout. Uh, this is the show, part of the Football Social Daily, where we look ahead to all the Premier League fixtures taking place over the weekend and we look ahead with people that really know what they're talking about. Uh, Each week we're joined by two former pros and this week I'm joined by two former blues from different parts of the footballing spectrum. Uh, Former uh, Manchester City striker Paul Dickoff. Hello Paul. How are we doing? Very well, thank you for joining us and former Everton stalwart Trevor Stephen as well. Hi Trevor. Stalwart. Thanks Anne. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, is, is there a, 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 what, what would you prefer instead? Legend? Oh, player, even. <laughs> oh, he's a legend, of course. It's got to be legend for Trevor. Oh, what? I'm not sure about, but never mind. We'll come and look at uh, both uh, your former clubs in, in, in a moment, but let's start with uh, a game that's getting a lot of attention this weekend. Uh, well, it's the return of Stevie G to Anfield. Liverpool taking on Aston Villa on Saturday. He's bound to get a warm welcome because we're talking about legends there. He's very much a legend at Anfield. But it's a tough task for anybody to go to to Anfield, especially uh, with the way that Klopp has got the team playing and possibly the best player in the world at the moment in Mo Salah. So, first of all, uh, can we see Stevie G getting any kind of result in this game? Trevor, let's go to you on this one. Hmm. Uh, difficult. I mean, that's stating stating the obvious. Um, but they do go there with uh, renewed energy, renewed vision um, as a football club, uh, which has been quite mir- miraculous as far as I'm concerned. You know, the fact that Stevie Gerrard's gone in and um, really shaken up Aston Villa because they were they were drifting under Dean Smith in, into in, into no man's land, and, and you can start to get worried for how your season's going to end up and uh, rightly so I think Villa were criticised for maybe going you know pulling the trigger too quickly but um, it's all turned out for the, for the good really you know Dean Smith's 
doing all right. Well, I'm sure we'll get to maybe get to Norwich later on, but he's doing fine in Norwich. But Stevie's just a whirlwind. He's gone in there and Villa can go to Liverpool, um, not expecting a drubbing, expecting, can we get something? Can we, you know, let, let's go and create a surprise? Because they've got plenty of energy. And, but if you're asking me, are they going to get get three points? I'm, I don't think so at all. But I think that they could possibly, you know, with the work ethic, I think Stevie's put into his team, um, you know, really put pressure on on Liverpool because, you know, they're, they're playing, you know, weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek, and you know, eventually that has to give somewhere. You would think generally, so maybe this is a, a really good time for for Stevie to be going back to Anfield. There's a lot of pressure on on that kind of event. What's it like, Paul, when you go back and play at a, a club where you, you you've got a history and a connection with the fans? Because you must have done that a couple of times in your career. Yeah, quite a few times actually. The living clubs in the end, so it happened quite, uh, quite a lot. But uh, no, I used to love it. I used to love um, looking forward to going back. And you know, the one thing you do always remember when I left left Manchester City to go to Leicester first time round, um, and I was going back to City, and obviously a big connection with the fans at City. A lot of the people there, teammates, ex-teammates, and um, they were asking me if I was going to enjoy it, and I was like, I'm only going to enjoy it if we win. You know, because it gives you that little. It does. I don't care what MDC says, and Trevor will probably agree. When you go back to your former club, whether it be the player as a manager, it gives you that little bit more incentive if you, if you needed anything um, to go to go to go back there. Um, you know, and Steve Gerrard, he's a legend there, one of the best midfielders that they've ever had. Um, everybody loves him, but at the same time, he'll get a fantastic reception before the game. But the competitor that Stevie is, he he'll be wanting to go there and, and put one over Liverpool, um, as difficult as it's going to be. I think he'll take a lot of heart, a lot of heart from how West Ham set up against him. Um, you know, quite a few weeks ago, um, and you know they have dropped. Do you know, Paul? I think you know, you know, Stevie going back as a manager is different, isn't it, than going back as a player? Um, I don't think he would have enjoyed at all going back and playing against Liverpool uh, for another team. Um, but that's the playing side of it. Uh, I know you've done it a lot. I've actually never done it. Can you believe no. that? Uh, wow. I never played against, uh, you know, opposition when I was at, I never played, I was at Burnley, never played against Burnley. Everton, never played against Everton. Rangers, never played against them. You know, and uh, and, and Marseille, that's a different thing, but ne- I never experienced it. And, and partly my selection of clubs was, there was a little inkling of that as well, uh, that I didn't, you know, I left the English uh, league system uh, when I was at Everton, but having the choice to go to Man United, and I chose to go to to Rangers. And part of that was I didn't want to go back. But you're you're the man who's well versed in it. Exactly, but it just it gave me a little bit of incentive. I mean, when I left City first time round, I wanted to stay, and Kevin Keegan uh, didn't fancy me as a player, and didn't want me in around the club, which I found really difficult to take. Um, so when I did go back yeah. eventually, you know, I was I was going back to prove a huge point. Um, um, yeah, whether it be Manchester City or when I played against Blackburn or for Blackburn against Leicester, I always wanted to to make sure that I was coming off the pitch winning. You know, I didn't want to see my teammates in the bar afterwards, um, and then buying their pints in that they were unlucky or anything else. But I just think Stevie going back it'll be a great occasion for him. But um, you know, you talk about Steven Gerrard and what a wonderful player, talented player he was. He was one of the most fiercest competitors that I played against as in his will to win and his desire. And, you know, Trevor said before, touched on it, he's put that into his Aston Villa team in a very, very short space of time. You know, and I was at the game a few weeks ago 
when Man City beat them 2-1 at Villa, Villa Park and the City were excellent for most of the game but the second half Villa really tested them and could have and probably should have got something out of the game mm. whereas a few weeks ago we asked them Villa if they went 2-0 down at home it's Danny's limitation but Stevie had them at it right to the very last minute and it'll be difficult to play against Anfield on Saturday yeah. but they're going to have to be because Liverpool are such a fantastic side and um, you know you said before about Mo Salah possibly if not the best player in the world at the minute and he keeps showing it week in week out We're talking about going back to your, your previous club we see it quite a lot these days where a player will score and not celebrate um, how difficult is that and, and is that just a modern thing or did you not care back in the day if that happened to you I went mental <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I took a lot of stick off the Man City fans it's the only game I, I, get, um, I get cheered and clapped on and booed off <laughs> at the start and, right. and get booed off towards the end um, and a lot of the Man City fans didn't take too kindly to it but um, you know, I don't think they would have expected anything less You know, regardless of who who I was playing against, you know, if I scored and I wanted to celebrate, it's the best feeling in the world in football scoring a goal, you know, so you want to celebrate. I don't, I get the respect thing from players not doing it, but I just, um, the game's that full of emotion. I don't know how you can pre-plan yourself not to celebrate if you score with the emotions that you go through when you actually score a goal. So we're not likely to see Stevie Gerrard emulating Jurgen Klopp and running onto the pitch. <laughs> so I think he would. I, th- I think he. Well, he wouldn't go on the pitch, like. But I, I, he's, he'll not hold anything back, and I think yeah. he's deliberately um, been quite, uh, let's say, cutting out any conversation off that there's nothing. You know, the, the, there's any issue with him um, going to Liverpool uh, as far as you know um, anything other than 100 percent focus on, on Aston Villa. Uh, and, and I think this discussion and conversations that were had when he was at Rangers that the next stop for him would be would be Liverpool. Um, he's, you know, I think all of us would have said that that would be the case, but no, he's done exactly what Steven Gerrard wants to do, and he wants to test himself. And it's about doing a job, a great job, wherever he's at. I think it's as simple as that. And whatever follows uh, will follow. Probably will be Liverpool uh, if he carries on with this uh, momentum that he's, he's creating at Villa. Um, but they have great ambitions at Villa as well, and there's money behind them. Um, you know, can he do something exceptional there? And he's that driven as an individual. You know, if you're not there with him on that journey, uh, you, you'll be sidelined very, very quickly. You know, he doesn't take prisoners, as I think we've seen um, in that short period he's, he's taken over the range there. What is it, do you think, that, that makes him stand out potentially? I mean, he obviously, you know, very successful relatively at, at Rangers in the time that he was there he was able to sort of really guide them through famously stop Celtic from making it 10 in a row and turn Rangers into a force again but not every star player makes a great manager so do you think it's, it's interesting that you use the word drive there Trevor do you think that's the the key thing about Stevie G um yeah I think I think it is I think it's the standards that he set for himself that um if he lived by those rules and laws and the right how he regulated himself through his football career, if he's looking around that dressing room and people are not prepared to go to the lengths that he did, then then they shouldn't be there. And uh, that's a hard place for a player to be, but it, it, it's what is going to make um, those individual players uh, raise their games uh, and and be successful. So I think it's definitely that. I had when I I went to to Rangers, I had. Um, uh, Graham Souness, 
uh, as my manager, and he'd only been, I think he'd been at Rangers maybe two years. So he sort of got himself into the job and was doing well. Uh, but his management style was very much like I would imagine Steven Gerrard's motivational skills will show in the dressing room. That it, it was all about, um, you know, winning your battles, winning your duels. Uh, you know, technically, and I'm not saying this about Gerrard, but I'm saying about Graves and S, you just let, let the players play to their potential, given an environment to thrive, uh, but with pure aggression behind you. And uh, that's what he was all about as a player. Uh, you know, had great skills, but Sunes was a, a driving force. Steven Gerrard is exactly the same, same mould, same kind of character. I think the game's got moved on technically now, how you prepare for games. But um, the core of it, I think, is a determination to, to win football matches. So uh, Liverpool take on Aston Villa this weekend, and uh, they're currently in second place at Liverpool. And uh, same day, Man City, currently sat at the top, uh, take on Wolverhampton, who were so unlucky to not get a result against Liverpool last week. Um, could they fare any better at the Etihad? Now, City had a, a mixed week, it's fair to say. A couple of needless injuries in what was a dead rubber of a game in Europe and uh, a much-changed lineup. Uh, conceded two, losing for the second time in this season's Champions League. Um, does that set them up nicely for a bit of a, a bounce back and showing they mean business, Paul, uh, when Wolves turn up? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, the one thing about this this Manchester City team, going all the way back to when Pep first came in, you know, whenever they went on one run, I mean, they just won seven games in a row, um, and they lost or had a little bumpy patch. The next thing they want to do is go on another run, and they've shown that time and time again that they're capable of. And I don't think they look too much into the Leipzig game the other night. There, you know, it was they'd already qualified top. There was seven changes. Um, you know, I watched the game. There was it was weird seeing no fans in the stadium again. You know, so you sort of put the, the, the three things together. Um, from the, the players' point of view, it's maybe a little bit understandable. But the one thing that that won't be understandable to, to Pep Guardiola, you know, because he demands. Um, top quality every 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 time the players go out there, um, and the only sort of decent thing we know fans been there the other night there watching the telly was Pep Guardiola. We don't know how intense he is, but he did not stop for 90 minutes shouting instructions, t- telling them to press right up to the very last minute. So going into the game on Saturday, we always we always in good form, um, but Manchester City the last few weeks, especially in the Premier League, they've, they've just been sensational. You know, whatever team goes out there, Bernardo Silva talking about Mo Salah being up there with the best in the world. Bernardo Silva at the minute is, is playing the best football of his life and he's, he's already been a top player. Um, Kevin De Bruyne getting 87 minutes under his belt the other night there and, and managed to rest a few. You know, the, the big one that's under the radar for me with Man City this season is Rodri. You know, he's um, he's had a couple of seasons here now. Um, took him a little while to settle in to start off with but he's, he's been outstanding in every single game. You know, he's, he's doing that Fernandinho role now a few years ago where Fernandinho didn't mind if he wasn't getting the spotlight. He was allowing your Sterling, your De Bruyne's, your your Foden's, your Mares's to go and do all the fancy stuff in, in the final third. And Rodri's just ha- sitting in there putting out fires. You know, whenever team's breaking them, he's the one that's breaking it up. He starts most of the attacks as well. Um, and, and it would have been good for him to get a, a week's rest. So, you know, City rested seven players, so they're going to have another seven fresh players going into the game at the weekend. And as good as Wolves were and as stubborn as they were against Liverpool last week, you know, I can only see Manchester City winning this game again. And, you know, we're talking about Liverpool before, but Man City being the early kickoff, 
you know, they only put a bit of pressure on Liverpool um, before Liverpool kick off because Man City could be four points clear by then. But Wolverhampton really sort of pushed Liverpool all the way when they played last time out in the Premier League. What was it about that that performance? Do you think that's something that Wolverhampton could sort of do again against Man City this weekend, Trevor? Or do you think uh, that's something that would have taken a lot out of Wolves and ultimately wasn't successful because even though it was a last-minute goal, they've still lost the game? No, I think they're in a, in a good place, uh, Wolverhampton. You know, Bruno Lager's come in and... Uh... Uh, got the belief back in, I think, in, in the group of players and, and changed the technical approach a little less defensive minded than they have been, I think, um, under the spirit of Santo. Um, he can be very pleased with what he's done. I do like his enthusiasm. I think he's a really passionate coach and manager. Uh, and, and that, I think, does spill over into his team that they are energetic, they are well organised. And they've got a great sense of belief. But having that, um, no matter what club you are, if you're not one of those top three, you know, you're Chelsea, Liverpool and Man City, obviously uh, where they'll visit uh, this weekend, they're terribly hard games. You know, I mean, the, you know, the teams, these teams have warmed up into the season now and uh, have created already a points difference between them and the rest. And uh, it's going to be an exciting, um, you know, Premier League this year without a doubt I thought it would be anyway before the start of the season and I certainly thought that those would be the three teams that would um, you know have to raise the bar again even when we think it's already as high as it could be it's just it's just brilliant so I, I, I know that Wolverhampton will go with belief but I just think the quality on the ball that Man City have uh, and uh, it's, uh, as Dicko said there um, City will want to get back on a run very very quickly and uh, and they're capable of doing it. They know they are. They do it every season over the last few years. Uh, and and when there's so many games around, as there are this uh, this particular month and going into January, uh, it's a great time to pick up that that a lot of wins, um, uh, a lot of confidence. And these wins at this period of time will will count for a lot come end of April, early parts of May next year. How much? importance is there in this thing of momentum we often hear it from the the managers and they say well we want to keep that momentum going we want to keep getting win after win but then also when you look at it you know like you said Paul that the the loss midweek against Leipzig didn't really matter in the scale of things for City they're already qualified in the Champions League they'd already won that group and so you know it it's almost like if you're going to have a slip-up, have that slip-up there and then keep the momentum going in the Premier League. So is this momentum thing something that actually really affects you in the dressing room, that you have that winning belief? Or is it more something that we in the media create so we've got something to talk about? I think the players will want to get back on track as quick as they can. you know. Um, and I know the Manchester City players and Pep especially, they're all about, it's all about the next game and, and winning that next game. Um, I don't think they'll look too much into the result the other night there. Um, I think with the league being so tight so early, you know, only two points separating Manchester City, Liverpool and Chelsea, there's a massive onus on all three teams to go out there and win their games. Mm. And I think the pressure that puts on them gets the best out of them. You know, I think it's more so that Paul. I think it's more so than ever, isn't it? This yeah, season, absolutely. The the, the dropping of um, of two points in any game, uh, you know, means. A massive amount more than any other season that I can think in, in recent history, um, and and that's probably another one one reason why Man City again will lift their game 
they're so consistent in their performances that they can just drag teams around, spread them across, get the ball back here, there and everywhere, triangles. And as you said, Bernardo Silva for me is uh, playing the best, uh, just to repeat what you said, playing, playing the best football of his career. He looks, he just looks to have found something. It's amazing to me that you know, players of that experience and age, when you think they're just surely just rounding off with their, with their careers and just maintaining to get to the end of their careers. Um, and someone like Bruno Silva, who's just taking huge steps forward again, that he's now in that bracket of one of the best players in the world. You know, so yeah, they're they're in a really good, strong um, uh, squad uh, or a position of having a brilliant squad, Man City. And I agree with what you're saying about Rodri. Um, he's just a quiet dynamo that goes on there. Doesn't say, doesn't get attention, doesn't say much at all. Um, but he's involved in literally everything that Man City are doing. Right, he's right at the heart of that that wheel, isn't he? Yes, he and he's the cog. But going back to to City as well, you know, talking about being that tight at the top of the league, you know, I'm pretty sure Manchester City last weekend, the the five thirty kickoff against Watford, would have expected themselves probably still to be behind Chelsea. You, you know, the fact that they went into that game, um, I know Liverpool got ended up getting a late goal, but Chelsea being beat. Yeah, um, and getting to the top now, and now they're at the top. They all want to stay there, and, and they want to try and push everybody else. And you know, we've been said before, we've been the twelve thirty kickoff. That they want to be getting in there, four points ahead of Liverpool, five points ahead of Chelsea, and saying to them, "Well, come on then, time for you to catch up with us again." Yeah, and we've seen what that Man City steamroller can be like when they put on that run uh, after New Year's last year uh, that took them all the way to the title so that game as uh, Paul said lunchtime kickoff on Saturday uh, the Liverpool game kicking off at 3 o'clock uh, let's look at Everton now uh, it's been a, a busy week for them behind the scenes and a great result uh, on the pitch as well on Monday uh, back in London again uh, back in London for Crystal Palace and um, yeah Palace have had a lot of praise this season but they're on a run of three straight defeats and only one point from 12. So we'll come to those in a minute. But first of all, uh, I know you still work quite closely with Everton, Trevor. Um, it, obviously, the sporting director is quite a, is a very important position behind the scenes in terms of the, 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 the playing staff that they bring on board. Uh, but there's also been a, a lot of pressure on, on Rafa with some of the results that's been happening. Uh, I think this move has kind of really really alleviate the pressure I think it's fair to say and a great result on Monday shows that you do have the staff there already in terms of the players on the pitch to really put together a great performance I mean Richarlison was lucky to unlucky to not have a hat-trick well I don't think it's um, you know all down to you know Marcel Brands leaving leaving the football club obviously that's not worked Steve Walsh who was brilliant at Leicester Tried to repeat the same things at Everton. It didn't. It didn't work out. But that's football. Uh, you do everything in your best judgment, and I'm sure Marcel Brands had the best judgments um, that he thought, and other people around him were thinking about bringing players in. Um, but you know, Rafa coming into the club was always going to be a, a difficult situation. Uh, he started terrifically well. Everybody was smiling. Damari Gray was scoring. Uh, Andros Townsend was scoring. Um, Decorey looked a different player everything was looking great and then a couple of injuries then a couple of defeats and then it all started to go downhill very quickly and uh, that was always going to bring the focus around to Rafa and the popularity that he 
is looking to get at Everton and certainly when you're losing matches, no matter who you are, you're not going to get much of a, you're not going to get a pat on the back. You're going to know all about it. Um, so that, that victory uh, against Arsenal, you will not believe how big that was really um, for, for the football club. Uh, it, it's almost a game changer. The, the mood, the atmosphere, there's quite, there are quite a few empty seats at Goodison, right? You know, and, and I was thinking, oh God, it started right. The, 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 they've lost the faith completely. But what it turned out, what it turned out to be, was a really memorable night at Goodison, and uh, the fans cheering for ten, fifteen minutes after the game, and an electric atmosphere. All the players commented on it that it was special, and you could see it. I thought in, in Rafa's um, post-match interviews. He just had a different look around his face. It was actually almost a, a smile there and a bit of joy in his eyes rather than this sort of, sort of dead pan looking rougher and you can't see any emotion in him at all. This changed it and it changed it for him. Now, he's very much behind that Marcel Brands move out, the director of football moving out, no question, because he wants more control. And I think Everton are in a position they're going to have to go with him. If they're going to back him, they've got to back him completely. Uh, and and I'm, I'm sure that will be an improvement uh, on, on what's been happening. Too many voices, too many opinions, too much of this, too much of that. And I think Rafa is more of a sort of dictator, uh, a dictatorship, let's say, on how he wants to, to run his, uh, his club. Um, and I think we'll see that in the, in the coming weeks leading up and certainly into January of the transfer window. But as I said, that was a massive win, mm. a huge, huge win. Uh, and I think... Um, we're going to Palace. Uh, Everton tend to do quite well down there as far as performances are concerned, but they're, they're a wounded animal, I would suggest now, Palace, because of you know the, the, the defeats that have followed some really good performances and they've lost in games where they, sh- they should have taken points. Um, so that'll be frustrating for them. But from an Everton point of view, definitely a game that, that can go and um, you know visualise themselves winning, winning and, and getting three points. Which would, and, and they still need it because they're in, the, you know, in that middle part of the bottom half. Mm. Um, you have another couple of bad results, and and uh, you know that pressure could uh, resurface. And I think that's something that whoever you support, whatever level you're at, there's nothing quite like the feeling of a win. And I think that goes through yeah. throughout the whole of football. And similarly to, I'm sure you experienced this yourself, Paul, like when you're a striker and you go a period without a goal, nothing fixes it better than scoring a goal. Uh, so, in terms, of, we talked to, at the start of the show about a a Premier League legend turned manager. We have another one in Palace, uh, in Patrick Vieira, and uh, of course did number over City earlier in the season, which is a, it was a great result for them, but on a bit of a bad run at the moment. Um, is that just football, or is there something that they need to look at and, and fix ahead of this game with Everton? No, I think it's just football. You know, I think Trevor touching it there, you know, that... But they've lost a few games recently that they possibly could have won and, and should have won. You know they were they were unlucky against Manchester United at the weekend, and I think it's just maybe you know after having such a fantastic start to the season, um, just maybe coming back down to earth a little bit as well. You know Palace un, under Patrick are a completely different team than what they were under Roy. You know they're a lot more attacking, um, and and Patrick as a, as a person as a manager is it's very very calm. You know, I've seen a lot of Patrick when he was with the EDS squad in New York City um, when he was under the City Football Group. Um, and he's he's very, very meticulous in what he does. He wants his teams to play good football. And if he's winning games, he won't get too excited. And if he's lost 
the last three games like he has done, um, he won't get too down about it and he won't get too down on these players because he's he's only been in the job four months, you know, and and he's still putting his stamp on the football club and how he wants them to play. And from the style of play that they had before to the style of play that they're having at the minute, it, it takes time for that to change, you know. It probably happened a little bit sooner um, than what even Patrick would have expected to do. But I don't think he'll be looking into it too much um, the last few results. You'll look at the performances and see that there were some decent performances in there and that they were unlucky. Um, and if they keep doing what they've been doing, they'll win more games this season than they want, you know, with Zaha in there. Um, Edward, who's, who's, who's a super talent, you know, I don't know if you've seen a lot of him when he was up in Scotland. Trevor, you know, scored a lot of goals yeah. at a young age. Yeah, still yeah. I like him. I like it. I like Edward. I really like him. He, he doesn't score the amount of goals that, that, that he maybe should be getting, though. He scored plenty yeah, at Celtic. He scored a lot of Celtic, but it just gives them a little bit different. You know, if you look to Palace the last couple of years, if, if, if Wilfred Zaha wasn't producing, they were really, really struggling to, to, to score goals. Now, all of a sudden, Benteke's starting scoring again, you know, and, and Edwards went in there. And so they're a real goal threat going forward. And they've just got to stop conceding. You know, the goals that they've conceded recently have been really sloppy which you really wouldn't put with a Crystal Palace team. So I don't think, to what we're saying before, I don't think Patrick will be worried too much. But obviously, winning three games, losing three games in the bounce, he'll want to get back on track as, as quick as he can. But I'm, I'm with Trevor here. I fancy Everton. I think that win the other night there um, has, has gave the whole club a boost. You know, there's, there's no, I say it all the time, Everton, um, sorry, Trevor knows better than me. Um, Goodison Park was my favourite ground to play at. You know, the, the atmosphere when, when it's buzzing at Goodison Park, there's no better place to be. You know, watching the game the other night there and seeing the fans staying afterwards and singing, you know, they, they could sense what a big win that was and how much that could drive them pushing forward now. Well, I'm just thinking about um, former pr- uh, players that we've got as managers in the Premier League right now. And if we were to put together a Premier League manager side, we'd have a hell of a midfield in there. Vieira, Gerard, Guardiola and Arteta. Uh, not much in terms of uh, strikers or defenders, but... Uh, we can work on that. I'm sure there'll be some changes before the end of the season. We're going to take a quick break there and then we're going to look ahead to the rest of the games this weekend. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily Hello and welcome back to The Dugout, the show where we look ahead to all the Premier League games this weekend with a couple of former pros. And joining me today, Paul Dickov and Trevor Stephen. So next up, let's look at the team that slipped, let the top of the table slip from under them. Chelsea, who heads, host Leeds, should I say, uh, this weekend. Uh, in terms of goals, it was not quite the result they wanted, but Lukaku and Timo Werner uh, scoring in St. Petersburg for Chelsea on Wednesday night. And for Leeds, Patrick Bamford is back and scoring as well, which is a great relief for them. I've been a little bit surprised uh, this week with with Chelsea just losing their focus a little bit. A little, you know, their, their levels just come down slightly, uh, and that has sort of manifested itself in errors. Um, for instance, Thiago Silva uh, against West Ham, where, albeit he scores a goal defensively, he was not as composed and as ahead of the game as he as he normally is and he looked at that little that little bit vulnerable or, or that capable of making an error uh, and of course mendy as well uh who i think has been a brilliant buy for uh, for chelsea to to be honest with you uh, but the goalkeeper was uh hesitant um and you know certainly did bring down uh 
I can't remember who it was for for, for the penalty, um, Bowen, I think it was, uh, and and then to get caught at that near post. I know it was a bit of a freaky shot in um, from Lusaka, but it was still something, uh, some uh, shot that he should have saved. So there's a little element there, and then they go into obviously this uh, the midweek game in Europe and, and concede again, uh, and and that's it's a bit unsettling for a group of players um, that they didn't think they were capable of doing that. If they were ever going to concede a goal, it would only be one in a game. But you know, in this last week, what is that? How many is that? Five yeah. is it? That uh, six, six indeed that they, they've conceded. I mean, that's a huge number for for that. Uh, for that club, for that defence and for what they've shown so far this season. So there'll be a little bit of a, um, a uncertainty about how they're going to go into this game. Um, not as solid as they were. Bamford is back, obviously, for Leeds United, as you said. But Chelsea, under, under Tuchel, I'd be very, very surprised if they don't turn up with a fantastic performance. I really, I really would. Uh, Leeds are scraping about for form uh, and Chelsea... Uh, need need to get back on track, and they need to get on on, on track quickly because we said earlier in the, in the show that uh, every point is vital, particularly to those top three teams, because these uh, any dropping of points is going to be critical you know, further down the line. Because I can't see these sides losing many games going forward. But I'd fancy Chelsea to to uh, get the three. Yeah, and and just looking back, considering he only came in at the start of the year when. Uh... Thomas Tuchel sits down on New Year's Eve and has a glass of something and reflects back on the year, Paul. He's going to feel he's done all right, isn't he? Yeah, well, Champions League, isn't it? The Champions League winner. Um, I think you'll only feel he's <laughs> done all right if he's still in touching distance at Manchester City. You know, I, 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 do, I was so, like Trevor, I was so surprised with defensive performance last week against West Ham and against Zenit during the week. Um, and I just don't know whether... Said it's two, saying that it's only two games, but teams have worked him out a little bit. You know, we've got to give David Moyes credit because Chelsea trying to play out for the back. They just West Ham's front three just went and actually marked their three centre halves, and they found it really difficult. And Zenit done a similar thing the other night there, and that's interesting for me going into the weekend because you all know Bielsa, he likes his his players to go man for man all over the pitch. So it's good tactically. It's, it's going to be really interesting how. One, how Leeds approach it, which they won't change. But I think, secondly, how, how Chelsea um, are working on when teams do go and press them and do stop them playing out for the back and start winning second balls and causing mistakes at the back three, how they're going to go about it. Because, I mean, Thomas Tuchel's teams, if, you, if you'd said they were going to lose six goals um, in four or five days a, a couple of weeks ago, you'd have thought you were mad. They were so strong defensively. But I do think that's because teams were sitting off them. You know, they were letting them half the ball in teams, the opposition teams against them, when they did win it back, nine times out of ten it was in their own third, and Chelsea are set, they've not got a lot of people going forward, but David Moyes, to his credit, he went after them last week, you know, and really pushed it on and into the second half as well, he even changed shape to make sure he was going to do that as well. So I think it's going to be a difficult one, but you look at Lukaku coming back, scoring, Werner scoring again, you look at the wonderful players they've got going forward, um, and Leeds have been struggling, although I do think having Patrick Bamford back and scoring the, the it's massive for them. You know, I know we're talking about Everton missing players. I think outside the top two or three, um, you know, Everton, Calvert-Lewin out, you know, and if Harry Kane's out, if Bamford's been out, you, you've seen that teams really suffer without the main striker and they've not got the light for light to come in like the top three have. And I think Bamford coming back is, is a huge bonus for them. Well, let's move on to Burnley against West Ham now, just because two things that you mentioned there, Paul, seems... Uh, a nice segue into this, uh, both about the the tactics of uh, David Moyes 
and also about just having the one striker. And I think uh, something that's been said to David Moyes on a few occasions is, you know, cross your fingers and hope that Antonio doesn't get injured. Uh, and I think that's something they'll be looking at um, when we get to the January transfer window. Um, I mean, that they're, they're going to be on such a high after that win against Chelsea. Also considering that it came at home in front of their fans as well, which, you know, we're starting to see that stadium transformed. It was much maligned when they moved in there a few seasons ago. Uh, it seems like everything is moving in the right direction for West Ham. Yeah, I, I think uh, brilliant season last season, but you would have probably thought they would have a bit of a hangover from that. Uh, and I don't think we would have been surprised if uh, they were sitting in mid-table um, and doing away, but nothing particularly special. But this is a different West Ham United side. It's it's actually um, they're creative, they're energetic, they are aggressive, they are organised, they are tremendous from set pieces. Detail uh, of everything has, has stepped up. Uh, and, and Antonio, I think, against Chelsea, got his form back as well. Uh, he, he's been a little bit off. He's been not getting on the score sheet, but his performances or his performance against Chelsea, I thought was terrific. Uh, and he looked back to his best. He looked a real handful, playing with a smile on his face again. And, and you said that the stadium is now uh, completely absorbed. Um, uh, the, the, the move on that West Ham have had to, to make, you know, moving off uh, from, from Bowling Road. So um, great uh, credit to, to David Moyes, uh, his side, um, are great to watch as well. I think as a neutral, I'm enjoying watching them. Uh, and yeah, full credit to, to the, the staff there. He's got really good staff around him as well. You know, Alan Irvin and uh, Stuart Pierce, people that he knows and, and been with for, for quite a long time. And of course, going into that transfer window, and David Moyes said it today, that all of a sudden at West Ham are being offered some really top players from agents around the world. Uh, but you know, six months ago that wouldn't have been the case. But now they have shown that they've got that sustainability factor that they can stay up near the top, they can uh, rub shoulders uh, and topple over some of the bigger teams uh, on their day, and and that makes them a different proposition. You you're able to attract better players, the the better outcome you're going to have at, you know, at the end of the day and in the longer term. And looking at Burnley, Paul, I mean, still only the one win for this them this season. And possibly, you know, what's worrying for me is all season long, everyone's been saying, oh, they'll be all right. Burnley will be fine. They've got a great manager. They've got a great setup. Obviously, they had a game cancelled, uh, which means that they've played one game less, which is to their advantage. But at the minute, they find themselves alongside Newcastle and Norwich, still in the bottom three and on 10 points as well. And I, I think really, though, the, the stat that comes out is is that only the one win. And I guess that brings us back to what Trevor said earlier about Everton, how much a win can change everything. Yeah, it can. And look at Sean Dyche, there's no denying that it's borderline miracle what he's done with Burnley since he, since he first went in there and getting them promoted and then keeping them up and, and making them as competitive as they had done without spending any money at all. And really, a lot of it with the same squad. You know, I know Maxwell Corney's come in this season and, and looked a real, real good buy, a real bargain. Um but I don't. I know Trevor's an ex-Burnley player, and I do really like Burnley as a club. I've got a lot of friends there. James Tarkovsky, I gave his debut to when I was at Oldham. Dale Stevens had as a player at Oldham. You know, I really want them to do well, but I just, I've just got a feeling. I don't know if it's going to be one season too far for them this year. Um, the way other teams have improved their squads, 
um, and the strength and depth that they've got as well. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but I just I do worry for them. You know, they've done so well over the past four, five, six, seven seasons to not just stay in the league, but to be really competitive in the Premier League and um, and keep pushing and pushing and pushing. I just I look at their squad and their squad size this year, and I just think the way other teams have strengthened that it's going to be a long season for Burnley. I hope I'm wrong, Trev. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. I think they have been a bit static as far as the squad is concerned. and um, But they are well drilled. They are well organised. But that's mainly because they haven't had that many changes. You know, he hasn't... Sean Dyche has not looked to reinvent the wheel with the squad that he's got. Uh, and, and, of course, teams start to work out best method for playing against you when that happens. Um, and they will battle to victories, I'm sure they will, but winning one and then not getting another win for four or five games is not going to cut the mustard this season. You know, you won't survive like that. They need to go on on a run of a few games um, and obviously going to Newcastle United last week and, and not getting a result um, is not good for confidence because Newcastle haven't won all season and then they, go, they, they beat Burnley. So there's, there is going to be a knock to their confidence, um, you know, but and, and facing West Ham, I think you know West Ham are really going to fancy themselves. It's going to be a, a struggle, I think, for Burnley. Uh, and again, this is maybe not one of those games that they should be taking points from. It's the games like last week where I think that they should be taking points against uh, against the Newcastle United side, or you know, looking for form. Uh, they don't do it, and now heap pressure on themselves. Uh, but as you said, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic football club. It really is. Um, traditional, uh, you know, steeped in, in, in the history of the game. Uh, and, and Sean Dyche committed to the long-term contract. They do have money, um, but how do you spend it wisely uh, in January? It's going to be the, the big question for them. And fingers crossed, as you said, that uh, they do continue this terrific run that they've had in the Premier League over the last few years. We mentioned Newcastle there. Well, the Magpies follow that win up with a trip to one of Paul's old clubs, in Leicester, who have not yep. had a great couple of days. Uh, they've been hit by COVID, and they've also been knocked out of the Europa League on Thursday. Uh, not a great day, all in all. And while they are on something of a downer, uh, they face a Newcastle team buoyant from their first victory of the season. Yeah, they are from Newcastle. They'll be that was a massive win for them against Burnley last week. I know it was early on in the season, but thank Eddie Howe going in. There who want to get that first one under his belt as quick as they can, and you know they, they, they stuttered over the line in the end a little bit, and it just shows you what it meant to them as a team and, and as a club and as the fans. You know the the way they celebrated after the game. You know it was actually as if they'd won the Premier League <laughs> to get that first win um, underneath their belt, and it is, it, it's going to be a big job for Eddie and and what they're doing. But you know Leicester. Um, been slightly surprised at how they've struggled this season. You know I know they have had injuries. Um, throughout it, but I thought they strengthened really well in the summer, especially with Patrick Dacker um, being there and um, pushing Jamie Vardy. They've got Kelechi and actual James Madison, Harvey Barnes came back. You know, so going forward, um, no problems at all. But defensively, they really suffered. You know, their record over the last sort of eighteen months from set plays, I think it's the, the worst in the Premier League. You know, so they're they're conceding a lot, a lot of soft goals at the minute, and that's got to stop. You know, Fofana is a huge, huge miss for them. Um, obviously, but then obviously you've got Sionchu, experienced player, Johnny Evans, very, very experienced player as well. Um, and I look at Leicester's squad and I really do think they should be doing better than, than what they've been doing recently. Do you think it's that central, the central midfield area, Paul, that's not, it's not as 
solid and, and, and dynamic as it, as it has been. As, Tiel- as Tielemans been playing most of the games. He's, he's been, been injured. injured. He's been injured. Yeah. I think he's a, he's a massive he's a massive miss for the man. I think Madison in there gets lost a little bit when Tielemans is uh, is not around. You know, because he he can uh, control a game can Tielemans. Uh, and, and Madison can feed off that, but when Madison's having to do a bit of the the control and the creative, it's too much, and 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 he loses his way a little bit. But I think it's injuries. Obviously, COVID's a, a bit of a disaster for them as well. Um, but the injuries have really counted against Brendan Rodgers, hasn't it? It has, and Tillman's huge for them. You know, when Leicester are playing well, he's the one that makes everything tick for them. You know, I think Kim and Wilfred and Didi are a fantastic balance. You know, indeed he likes to sit in there mm. and break things up and does yeah. the simple thing and gives it to Telemans to go and create. You know, and he doesn't always he doesn't only create yeah. Telemans, he can break it up himself. You know, he scored goals this season. And I think they're bang on Trevor. I think without Telemans in there, Madison's not as the, nowhere near as effective because Telemans nine times out of ten is the one who can find Madison in that number ten role in between the lines. I mean they've not got Telemans quality in there, they do tend to struggle a little bit. All three of those games taking place on Sunday. Uh, Burnley, West Ham and Leicester, Newcastle will kick off at two. And Crystal Palace against Everton are 4.30 kickoffs. Uh, we'll look at the last few games of the weekend after this quick break. Welcome back to the final part of the dugout. We should be looking at the remaining three games this weekend. However, we can only look ahead to two because one has been postponed. That's the fixture between Brighton and Tottenham Hotspurs. Uh, that's due to an outbreak of COVID at the North London Club. They already postponed their fixture midweek in the Europa Conference League as well. It's also their third postponement of the season, having had uh, that game at the end of November called off due to the snow. Well, let's look at their North London rivals now in Arsenal, who welcome Southampton to the Emirates on Saturday on the back of a rather disappointing result on Monday against Everton. Have you listened to Miguel Arteta after the game? Um, he was almost lost for words because his team have been shown such improvement in, in recent weeks. Uh, a lot more aggression about their play, going to win the ball back a lot earlier than they've been doing in, in previous uh, games. But this was like, a, you know, a, going back to the, the, the bad old days for, for Arsenal, where they looked weak, they looked um, disconnected, disjointed. Uh, they didn't look as if they wanted to fight. It was a bit of a miserable night on Merseyside, you know, and uh, Everton were up for the fight. Uh, and wasn't a great performance from Everton to beat Arsenal. And, and when you think about that, uh, that's uh, worrying for Arteta. And I, I kind of got that feeling from him, you know, watching his interview after the game. Uh, it's, you know, when Smith Rowe, it looks like when Smith Rowe's not available to them, um, they don't have the energy. They don't have someone out there leading by example, which, you know, which he does. Uh, and so Arsenal become... A, a team of uh, individuals rather than uh, a solid team. Uh, and, and Arteta, I'd be worried about that because, you know, he had such a terrible start to the season, seemed to have got through that. I mean, let's be honest, they're still in a far better position league-wise than they were. But it's just that, you know, going back to that momentum that momentum word, um, you know, Arteta was at, at Man City with Guardiola, was witness to how 
you put games together. It's your old club, club Paul, or uh, one of your old clubs. Game after game. And, and uh, uh, obviously, it, it's a club know, that's been nice performance really trying to find its identity since uh, Wenger and it's left. Be a real battle of the season um, for and I, I still see a lot of knee-jerk reactions uh, whenever Arteta doesn't, you know, get the result that the fans expect. Uh, but uh, as Trevor said, there's a lot of good moves, a lot of things happening at the club that seems to be uh, finding an identity, a form of play and moving in the right direction. But do you think that this is something that um, is going to take a little longer than some people are comfortable with? No, Mikel, um, uh, as a person, he's he's a winner, he's a competitor. Um, and I think he's shown that um, since he went into Arsenal, as in his management style, you know, he wants them a lot more organised. He wants them to be a lot more creative. And I think the worrying thing on Monday night, you know, when you see Mikel in his interview afterwards, you knew he wasn't happy, but... Arsenal just sort of lay over, didn't they, Trevor? You know, as, as soon as Everton started to mm, face. Yeah. And the one big problem with Arsenal over the past two, three, five, ten years is having that soft underbelly in there. You know, but when things aren't going quite well, can they really dig in and get themselves out of hole? When they're not playing well, can they get a result? You know, and, and the other night there, I think, you know, I was looking at the body language of some of the players um, and, you know, a cold, windy, wet Monday night at Goodison when the fans are up for it. I don't yeah. think some of them looked as if they fancied it at all, you know. And, and, yeah. and, and, tr- and truth as well, they did miss a couple of great chances as well, didn't they? And Ketia had a, had a brilliant chance, Obamia had a chance. And, you know, you've got to take them that those chances because, uh, you know, as Liverpool showed at, at Wolverhampton uh, last week, as long as you win, you win, right? It took 94 minutes for Liverpool to beat where Wolverhampton kept, kept going. But, those are the sort of ingredients that are, are, are missing in the likes of a team or a squad like like Arsenal. That even when they're not playing very well, they're not getting themselves out of the mire by taking chances. Whereas you know a top team like Liverpool have been able to do that. Yeah, so it, it's um, for, for Arteta. This this game's pretty vital. I think he needs to you know stop that um, that attitude. Get rid of that attitude. You know, you don't want that two games in a row. He's, he's really got to revisit. I'm sure he's been quite tough on his players this week. They've got to go back to what 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 showed that improvement, which to me was them closing down from the first whistle and looking as if they could press as a unit and then you know drop off when when they had to, far more organised against Everton. It just wasn't there. I think if you're Southampton and Ralph Wissenhutl on Saturday, the first 15-20 minutes, he's going to be telling them to get right into the faces of the Arsenal players and just see how much they really want it after the way the performance, after the way they faded out yeah. the other night there, you know, and um, really go and test them. And as Trevor said there, you know, Arsenal, they're going to have to stand up to that test for the first 20 minutes and, you know, bang on about the Liverpool. You'd stay in the game as much as long as you can, even if you're not playing well, you know, and always have that belief that you're going to go on and win the game. Whereas at Arsenal, if they're not quite at their best, you don't feel as if they've got that belief that they can still win the game. Norwich host Manchester United and after back-to-back wins is hope fading again for Norwich they've only got one point in nine uh United already looked like a completely different team under Ralph you know obviously we saw him experiment a lot in midweek uh giving debuts to a lot of new players um but is this is this an opportunity for Norwich with with him still settling in, uh, and, and Norwich still's got something of of a new manager bounce going on there, Trevor? Um, do you think that Norwich could do something? 
Well, I, th- I thought there was a bounce, you know, and there, there definitely was a bounce um, with the back-to-back wins. But then you go and you lose, the, you know, the next game. Um, but I think Dean Smith's a realist as well, and he knows it's never they're never going to go into a run of eight or nine games or whatever, you know, picking up results. It's going to be a roller coaster of a ride. Um, of course, Manchester United coming to uh, to Carroll Road. Uh, now is a different proposition to what it was a couple of weeks ago. There's no doubt about that. Ranić has uh, uh, created a mood there that um, the players have, have taken on board. They haven't got a choice, to be honest with you. It's my way or the highway, I think, as far as Ranić is concerned. Uh, and, and it doesn't matter who you are, what name you've got on the back of your shirt, you've got to do the jobs that, uh, and do them well because uh, you're representing Manchester United. And you as long as you're doing that, you, with the quality of players that United have got, they're going to win football matches. Um, so I think Norwich are taking on Man U at a, at a dangerous time. I think they have got uh, you know, some momentum. You know, obviously, Randy made a lot of changes midweek, but, which is a good thing for him because he's got some mileage in the legs of you know, your Jesse Lingards and people like that, um, which is a very, very much a positive. So I, I really expect Man United to go to Norwich and, and unfortunately, you know, show Norwich to what, what they are. They don't really have a squad of uh, players that can that can hold a Premier League position, in my opinion. And I said that before the back-to-back wins. Uh, and I think over the longer term, they're going to really struggle to get out of that top three. And I don't think I don't think the that turnaround that, that they need is going to happen this weekend. Paul, you've had experience as a manager. You must have come up against some sides where you thought, there's no way we can can win this game you know what how, how do they approach something like this with united with the quality that they've got and the bounce that they've got from uh ragnick and also players wanting to impress how does dean smith go about this game does he shut up shop um what, what what's the what's the approach how what's the team talk what's the uh, how do you approach that game as a manager well, dean's the- Dean's been used to it um, for a long, long time, and he's managed managerial even when, you know, when he was at Walsall when he was starting out. You know, Walsall were always one of the teams that were expected to be down the bottom. When he went into Brentford, Brentford went the, nowhere near the club they are now, so they're always the underdogs as well. So he's used to being in a situation, Aston Villa, um, when they're in the Premier League and fight the relegation battle. So he'll he'll know how to handle it. And I think sometimes when you're playing your Manchester Cities, your Manchester United, your Chelsea's, your Liverpools, and you are bottom of the league. You, I think as a manager, you can treat it as a little bit of a free hit and maybe take the pressure off the players a little bit. You know, they're at home and the Norwich fans are, are super realistic in, in what their expectations are this season. So, you know, if, if, if they end up losing the game, I don't think it'll be a surprise to anybody, you know, even even within the Norwich camp. But sometimes you can take the shackles off a little bit and just say, look, you're playing against the, all these fantastic players. Go and show everybody how good you are. Nobody's expecting you to win. So go and have a really good go at them. And, you know that that's that was the how I was as a manager um, the short period I done it. But that, I loved that as a player as well. You know I was in a Manchester City team that that was struggling at the time, but we always seemed to do well against the bigger teams. It was when we played teams in and around us we struggled, but when we played teams that were that were your Manchester Uniteds, your, your Chelseas at the time, your Arsenal's at the time. You know just go out there and have a good go, let the shackles go, and you go out. You're a lot more relaxed because there's not the pressure that's on you as if you're playing a team that that you're in a relegation battle with. That's it for today. That covers off all the games taking place this weekend. Uh, Let me say thank you very much uh, to our two ex-pros joining me today. Trevor Stephen. Thanks, Anne. And Paul Dickhoff. Thank you.
and uh, we'll be back with another episode of The Dugout next Friday. The Dugout, Premier League preview, Football Social Daily. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.